Welcome to the Believer's Voice of Victory from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Download the notes at kcm.org notes. Hello, everybody. I'm Kenneth Copeland. This is the Believer's Voice of Victory broadcast. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you something right now. This is a thrilling thing. Jesus is alive. <laughs> Jesus is at the right hand of the most high God. You can't get any higher than that. Amen. And if you know him as your Lord and Savior, you are his joint heir. Whoa. Now, I don't preach me happy, Terry. <laughs> Praise you, God. Father, we thank you for this broadcast today and we bless you, sir. We open our hearts and we open our minds to hear from you and we receive it by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Join me today once more in welcoming Terry Law to this broadcast. Great to be here. Terry, I am. Um, <clears throat> uh, Let's open our Bibles where we did yesterday, the 10th chapter of John. Let's read this 27th verse. My sheep hear my voice. Now, Jesus just came right out and said it. My sheep hear my voice. Now, notice over here, uh, uh, come up back, oh, several verses here. And he says uh, in, in the, uh, well, now let's go back and read. I say unto you, he that enters not by the door of the sheepfold, but come climbs up some other way, the same as the thief and the robber. He that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, and to him the porter opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Mm -hmm. Now look at verse five. A stranger. Oh, wait, let's go, let's go in and read verse four. When he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice and a stranger they will not follow. Hmm. So don't get afraid you're going to hear the wrong voice. Now there's some wrong voices out there. Oh yeah. But if you will commit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ and you begin to confess these things here, you begin to say, don't go around saying, well, God never speaks to me. Yes, he does. He's talking all the time. The problem is we hadn't been listening. You haven't finished praying till you stop and listen because God's got something to say to you mm. all the time. Right. Now, let's go over to the book of Acts and let's look in chapter 23 and verse 11. The night following, the Lord stood by, this is talking about the Apostle Paul, and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must you bear witness also at Rome. Rome. Now, um, so, I mean, you know, that just means we're going to Rome, right? Mm. All kinds of stuff broke loose between where he was right then and by the time he got, got to, Rome. to Rome. The <laughs> devil tried to kill him over and yeah. over and over again. Uh -huh. He got him into a hurricane yep. and, and then an angel had stood behind, beside him and reminded him of the plan. Yep. Now, this is one of the things I want to get to. They, that, that little boat got caught in Rockledon 
in that hurricane and they're just going around and around and around and traveling across the ocean. And it looked like, and the apostle Paul said, there was no hope for any of us to live mm. through this thing. But that angel reminded him of the plan. And when he got that plan back in his heart and mind strong, he came out saying, be of good cheer. Cheer up, boys. We're going to make it. We're going to go to Rome. The plan got, was bigger than the storm. That's right. And that's, that's the point that I'd like to introduce into what we're looking at here. Because when you're following Jesus, now the Word says He will lead us beside still waters. He will lead us into green pastures. But now Terry, you have to remember He also said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Jesus can, can create a green pasture in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death. Yes, he can. If you just keep your eye on him and what he said to Amen. Now you're going to have to fight the fight of faith. Mm -hmm. And I've talked long enough. On, let's get back in here. And I, I want you to talk to us about. Uh, talking about hearing the voice of God, which is so important. Uh, Kenneth, when I got, finally got to ORU in my adventure, the angel of the Lord had spoken to the farmer in the field, and, and uh, I got to ORU. Uh, I met a young man named Larry Dalton, probably one of the greatest talents of my generation. One of the greatest piano players I've, I, I've ever heard. And uh, Larry and I uh, thought, well, well, we'll get some people together. We'll form a little group and do some uh, weekends uh, and so we can minister at ORU. We went up to Kansas City to a charismatic Baptist church, and uh, we were there for three days. Um, just brand new, wet behind the ear kids at ORU, <laughs> and 60 people got saved that weekend. And Sunday morning, Kenneth, I was, I was sitting on the front row. The group was singing on the platform. I didn't sing with them. I, I, I preached and led the team. I, I, when they were done the song, I grabbed my Bible. I stepped up onto the first step of the platform, and this booming voice comes from the back of the building. Uh, I had no idea who was saying the words. I found out later it was one of the great prophets, uh, Bob Jones. I, I didn't know for 20 years who it was. But he thunders out <laughs> and he says, I have ordained you to go to the nations. There will come a time when you are homeless. Don't be afraid. I have called you to the nations as kings to conquer. Those words were spoken like an atomic blast into my spirit, and I was listening to it, wow. and I, I, could all, I could not hardly talk when I got on the platform. I, I was saying, because I knew it was God. Uh, we went back to Tulsa. The next day, Larry and I talked it over. We said, well, we think South Africa is where we're supposed to go. So uh, we brought the kids in. We said, uh, we're going to go to Africa. <laughs> Drop out of ORU for some of them and go to Africa. How many of you want to go? Everybody said yes. So that summer we set up an itinerary. We traveled across the United States and Canada to various churches. We said, we're going to Africa. We want to raise some money. Uh, would you send us over there? We traveled. Uh, we had $18,000 that we needed for tickets. It all came in. And um, we, we got ready to go. Uh, we decided to fly into Rhodesia before South Africa, immediately north, which is Zimbabwe today. Mm -hmm. Well, Kenneth, we flew 
from New York into Europe and into Zimbabwe, as we got off the airplane, landing on the, on the tarmac, I heard my name being called, Terry Law. I looked over, saw an immigration official. I walked over, he said, are these the names of the people in your group? And all, all of our names were on the paper. I said, where'd you get that? He said, I'm not here to explain that, but he said, uh, we are here to tell you, you are not welcome in this country. I'm asking you to get back on the plane. After we felt that God had called me, this prophetic word had come and mm -hmm. everything was going in the face of the prophetic word of God. And I was saying to myself, he can't do that. We, you know, but we ended up in Byron, Mozambique, uh, the, the armpit of the world. I mean, it was terrible. It was hot. <laughs> it was hot. It was miserable. And uh, every day Particularly I Particularly back then. It yeah. was double miserable. That, yeah. That, yeah. Especially because nothing was working. Yeah. And I saw, you know, I, I, I remember I, uh, I went and talked to the immigration official. Let us stay, you know, for a couple more days, et cetera, et cetera. And finally, after three weeks, he said, I'm sending you back. I didn't think the plane would ever get off the ground. Because, Kenneth, here's what we did. We fasted. Somebody had a book on fasting and prayer, so we all fasted and prayed. Then somebody else had a book on rebuking the devil. We rebuked the devil like he'd never been rebuked. <laughs> somebody else had a book on, so. on praising God for the victory. We all praised God for the victory. And then we thought, maybe we haven't repented enough. So we all repented to each other and said anything that was wrong. Uh, we had communion every second day. But we were forced back on the airplane, ended back in New York City, coldest winter in 99 years, 20 below zero, blizzard, and my wife is standing in a short sleeve cotton shirt, uh, cotton dress outside of the airport. Well, yeah, she's all, supposed all to of our be clothes in, are in Africa. She's supposed to be in Africa. Yeah. We ended up in a teen challenge center in Philadelphia, totally discouraged and shot. And I thought, this is over. My dream is gone. Everything that I'd heard and I'd told Oral, God's called us to Africa. You know, and Oral knew that we were all gone. And uh, so... We were in the Teen Challenge Center for a week, and on a Saturday morning, this guy comes in from Minneapolis. Um, I didn't know who he was, just been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord had told he and his wife to come to Philadelphia. The only phone number he had was Teen Challenge. So he called them, and they said, well, we've got a chapel service Saturday morning. Why don't you come and talk? So the guy walks in, and uh, he said, I don't know why I'm here. But he said, I, I'll tell you what I will do. He said, I'll, I'll tell you my life story because I really don't know what I'm supposed to say here. So he talked about his own life story. And there's a couple of uh, comments I made, Kenneth. I wrote down words that he said that I still have held on to this day. And, and he's talking about trouble in the ministry and everything like this. And when, as he's preaching, he says, what do you do when you know God has called you, yet it appears as though he's taking that calling away what do you do when you pray, but there's only silence in return? I looked at Jan. Jan was crying. Larry Dalton had red eyes. And, and I looked around because this was us. He was talking to us. Then he went on and said, even when God is completely silent, he's there still with you. And when it seems that he's broken all of his promises and revoked his calling, he will remain faithful to make that call a reality. But sometimes... We've got to come to the end of our plans in order for God to accomplish his. I sat there. I was mesmerized. I couldn't believe it. 
I walked up to him at the end of his message and I said, who told you about us? He said, who are you? <laughs> I said, I'm world famous evangelist, Terry Law. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I said, we're a poor bunch of students who've just been kicked out of Africa. We said, let's talk about this. So we went into a side room. I, we started to tell him our horror story and uh, he sat there and he bowed his head while we were talking. Two minutes into our story, he opens his eyes, he points his finger at me across the table. He said, Terry, the word of the Lord says you're going to be in Johannesburg, South Africa in seven days. I said, sir, we can't even get visas to get in there, number one. Number two, we burned up $18,000, which in, that, at, in those years was a lot of money. Oh, yeah. And uh, I said, we got no tickets, no visas. No, he said, you'll be there in seven days. Well, Kenneth, when he walked out of there, I, I, I was grasping at my dream. Did I dare open my heart? Did I dare release my faith to continue to believe that, you know, because everything had fallen flat? Sure. Well, on Wednesday the next week, I get a call from the State Department in Washington saying your visas have been cleared by South Africa. Two hours later, I get a call from a pastor in California who said, I've just talked with Swiss Air. They've heard your story and they want to extend tickets to you to take you back to Africa and they will guarantee you return tickets. Kenneth, seven days later, we landed in Johannesburg, South Africa. And this, but this time, it wasn't us that had done it. It was this, this time it was a miracle of God. That's right. And in the next 10 months, we saw over 10,000 people give their lives to Christ. Glory to God. And Kenneth, two, two, two months after that experience, we were, the group was singing in a church in Springs outside of Johannesburg. I had gone into the back room to pray. I was kneeling. I always did that when the, when the kids did the concert. I'd get my Bible and go in back in the prayer and get my notes and everything and just just you know, soak up the presence of the Lord. While I was kneeling on the floor, the Lord, I, I don't know how you explain this. I don't know if it was audible. I, it sounded like it was coming inside, but it was outside and it was, you know, it was, it was everywhere. And the Lord said, I'm going to send you to close nations and you're going to do things there that most men would believe impossible. But you got to trust me and be obedient. If you are, I will protect you. We had just come through hell, if I can use that word, getting to Africa, and now we're getting this fresh word from God. We're going to send you in the middle of, of difficult stuff where people don't want God. You're going to go in the middle of it. I remember I walked out on the platform that night, and I was, the concert was done. I was to preach. I couldn't open my mouth. I stood there and I knew that I had to say what the Lord had said in the mm -hmm. back room. I had to put it in my mouth and speak it. And it was probably three, four minutes before I could even uh, get the words out of my mouth. I said, I've just heard from the Lord in the back room and we're called to go to the closed nations of the earth, which means communism and everywhere else. Well, there were gasps through the crowd, but most of them were coming from the group standing behind me. Oh, they they I were saying, imagine. what in the world are you saying? Uh, you're taking us into the middle of communism and, and on the dark places of the earth. But, you know, it all goes back. That guy had a word in Kansas City. He spoke the word out. And once that <laughs> word was spoken, it kept guiding us. Oh, absolutely. And all the difficulty and all the things or the dreams that blew up in our face, God was testing us. He was, you know, and, and 
Faith, if it's real faith, has got to be tested. It really does. Count it all joy when your faith is tested, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, patience. Absolutely. You're going to get in there. You're going to stay with it and you're going to get it done. So, uh, wow. Uh, when the call of God comes and when the voice of God comes, you hear it. But boy, it, it, like you said earlier, you're not sure where you're going with it or where it's going to go with you <laughs> because the Lord has a way of taking us into these these unusual, highly unusual things. And from that moment on, there was a mark on us. Everywhere we went, uh, you know, I, I, was, I was setting my sights. I was saying, God, I'm waiting for you. Uh, where, where, where next? I said, I, I know this means the communist world, but I, I don't know how to do it. I don't know where to go. I'm waiting for you to take the next step. Well, Kenneth, we were in Southern California. We went back and we were in Southern California and uh, uh, we got a, a letter in the mail telling us to come to Poland. Poland, of all places, and uh, we knew it was a, a communist country. So we took this as the voice of God. We ended up, we got on a bus, we traveled across Europe, went into Poland, and we were scheduled to sing in a, we, we thought, in the university in Krakow, Turns out we were singing in the Youth Communist Party. We were singing in a concert in the Youth Communist Party of, of Poland, and they thought we were an American rock and roll group, and the only thing we knew were songs about Jesus. So we stand up there, and this raucous crowd, drinking beer, smoking cigarettes, they're having a party, they're coming to a rock concert, and they started hearing Jesus in our music over and over again. And all of a sudden, they started putting, <laughs> quit drinking their beer and putting their <laughs> cigarettes out, and they're leaning over on the table, and, and they're listening to us. Well, I, I, we were 10 minutes into the concert, and I said, the Holy Ghost came on me that anointing of the evangelist, yeah. and I know what it is. Yeah. And when it comes, I got up and I said, you know, Marx and Lenin were wrong. I'm saying this to communists. Marx and Lenin were wrong. Uh, they do not know the way to life. The way to life is Jesus Christ. And I began to explain how all of us had made a personal decision for Jesus. That place went dead quiet. When I was done, someone in my group told, us, told me later, said we were praying we were praying that God would shut you up. We thought we were all, we were all, going, to, we were all going to jail. Well, uh, I stepped off stage left and three men grabbed me under the arms, hauled me into the basement, and uh, the leaders of the Youth Communist Party, and they said, you can't do this. I said, we just did. You, you asked us to come. We didn't ask for money. Well, you've just uh, uh, sang about God and all. Uh, we're communists. We don't believe in God. So, but I realized that they'd taken money in from the first concert. And so I, I just let them hang on it a little bit. And they said, well, tell you what we're going to do. You can't talk anymore, but that group up there's got to sing. Because we've got a bunch of people out in the, in the streets. They had hundreds in the streets trying to get into the club. So the second concert went, the, the, the team sang. The last song, Kenneth, was God is moving by his spirit moving through all your signs and wonders when God moves. The power of the Holy Ghost came on my singers. There are most of them from ORU. And we had our hands in the air and the tears are, are flooding down our cheeks and we're giving glory to God. And uh, young communists are saying, 
if there is no God, why are these people crying? Why, why is, what is this? The anointing hit that, hit that uh, yeah. communist youth club. Well, we got a 15-minute standing ovation. They wouldn't stop. And <laughs> I sent the group back up. I said, encore. We did encore after encore. We were there till 3.30 in the morning leading people to Jesus. But the one thing we didn't know is that across town, the cardinal of the Roman Catholic Church heard about what we'd done in the club and made up his mind he was going to get to know us. His name was Carol Cardinal Voitiwa. Yes, sir. And the time came when he became Pope John Paul II. We were in his home. We taught him courses. On, loved to play the guitar. Uh, <laughs> isn't God great? Oh, yes, I mean, amen. God is so great. We, we don't plan this stuff. Uh, you, you couldn't make this stuff up. A booking agent wouldn't, couldn't make this stuff up. But the Holy Ghost, when, when he's on you and when he leads, and when that voice of God is there, God will take you in the middle of hell itself and turn it into a revival meeting. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's what he's out to do in the first place. Absolutely. But the, the, what is so big is if you don't unhook from it, if you get into that spot, and it starts getting rough. If you back off, you're going to get hit hard. That's right. It may, may kill you. Yep. But if you just keep, stay on, on that word, just stay on that word. Yep. I mean, even if you did die doing it, so what? <laughs> I mean, we serve a God that not only raises from the dead, yes, but, but who, who, what does death have anything to do with it? That's just a momentary situation that you didn't even know till after it's over with. <laughs> but the thing of it is, that word is alive. And it'll dominate the whole situation if you just stay with it. And we're out of time. <laughs> Terry and I'll be back in just a moment. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Download the notes at kcm.org slash notes.